Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Let It Out with me. I'm your host, Katie Dilbout. And this is my podcast where I talk to fascinating people, creative people, people that I want to get to know more. And I've been doing this since 2013. If you're new, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, great. Thank you so much. Maybe subscribe. And if you're already subscribed, subscribe your friends or share it with a friend. I want to have more people listening to this podcast because I want to keep doing it because it's my favorite thing that I've ever done. If you want to start a podcast, I think you should. Let me know. I would love to help you. Feel free to email me. Okay, let's get to this episode as soon as possible. Claire Fountain is a gem. She is a delight. On Instagram, she's at CBQuality. And I connected with her because of a listener, a listener friend that I haven't met in person yet. Yujin told me about her. Thank you so much. We had a delightful conversation one evening this winter. It was March, but it was cold on the Upper West Side with her dog, Duke. And we talked about therapy, eating disorders, being a woman in the world, social media, body image, work, food. We covered it all. And I loved this conversation a lot. We were very cozy and kind of sleepy, both of us, and I, I like the result of it, and I think you will too. Give it a listen. Stick around till the end. This week's episode is brought to you in part by our Patreon page. If you don't know about Patreon, it's this cool platform that allows you to help fund projects, creative projects that you like, that you find value from, and you can help the creators make more of them. And that's what the Patreon does. We have set up our Patreon in a really cool way where you'll get special bonuses for being part of the Patreon community. So every month I put out a topic for us to discuss. Last month it was indecision and we have some journaling prompts that go around with that. It's mostly what I'm toying with and what I am thinking about and pondering. And there's that. You'll also get live well, they're not always live, but special bonus content that's just for the Patreon. So for instance, I did a podcast event with the Almost 30 podcast in, it was in LA. I'm trying to think of the month. It was in March. <laughs> and I also did something with Oh Holisticism and I did something with Splendid Spoon recently. And those all will appear, the recordings of them in the Patreon community, as well as you know, you can donate at different levels and there's different things that you'll get different bonuses. Just check it out when you have a free second, if that's for you, if you don't want to support the podcast financially, totally cool. You can just support it by listening. That's great too. Or sharing it with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes. Don't even worry about the Patreon if it's not for you, but if you are getting value from it, it's a great way to support the podcast other than just the sponsors. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I will talk to you at the end. Thank you for listening to me talk about Patreon. We also have the listener Facebook group, which is a secret Facebook group that I love and anybody can join it. We ask for a suggested donation of $1 a month. That's $12 a year. But if that's not for you and you don't want to do that secret, we'll let you in anyway. 
(laughs) We just say that because it would be really nice and I want to cover the costs of putting out a podcast from editing it to hosting it and Patreon allows me to do that. Okay, I love you guys. Here's my conversation with Claire. Talk to you at the end. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you in part by FreshBooks.com. You know FreshBooks. You love FreshBooks. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I use FreshBooks. I love it. It's the easy-to-use online cloud accounting software. You can personalize the colors, and you can even add your logo. It's great for sending invoices. It really makes you look buttoned up, and it's great for tax season. You can even set up FreshBooks to import expenses directly from your bank account, so whenever you purchase something for your business, it instantly uploads it to FreshBooks. I love it. And FreshBooks is ridiculously easy to set up. It's made for people who don't like dealing with numbers and their taxes. Right now, FreshBooks is offering a free 30-day unrestricted trial to our listeners. So to claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash let it out and enter let it out in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash let it out and enter let it out in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you, FreshBooks. Let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? What were you like as a kid? Okay, that's a fun question. I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi, of all places. Yeah, it's super interesting now, especially given the political climate of the country. But yes, I grew up in the South until I went to school at Vassar. Um, so that's how I moved to New York when I decided to go to college. But as a kid, I was like super independent, like very much doing my own thing. I was uh, into the arts. I was very much interested in the world outside of Mississippi in a way. And I'm like what you would call like a seeker. Like when I'm interested in something, I seek more out about it. Like if I'd read an article and like I was obsessed with magazines, by the way. I like read all the magazines and would look up like what brands the clothes were, who, you know, what. Just, I just was obsessed with like this world outside of the South. So I would just search out the things I was interested in. You know, and then I was like, that's a super young kid. And I guess as I got older, I started yoga when I was like 15 or 16. I was a vegetarian by the time I was like 10. I was just a very unique kid in the South. So how did you discover yoga, yoga so young? I feel like my aunt mentioned it one time from San Francisco, but I would go to Books A Million, which I feel like they're not even existing anymore. <laughs> but I would go to the bookstore and just read books. Like, I was, I'm such a nerd. I mean, you're in my place now. I have a bit of a so book problem. amazing. Yeah, a lot of books. That's <laughs> what I was into. So I would just read all these books, and I guess I stumbled upon like, yoga books at one point. Yeah. And so I, would, I started doing yoga in my bedroom, and then I and, like, you know, eventually went to classes at the local gym next to the racquetball court so the balls would hit the wall yeah yeah that's how it all started what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid as a kid I think I didn't really have a career set out I think the only thing I wanted to be like was like a woman like with a capital w yeah like a woman who like ran her shit what you mean yeah like boss bitch before that was a (laughs) term you know, it wasn't a term in 1998, but yeah. I just wanted to be, like, very much, like, on this elevated place of womanhood in a yeah. way. And just, I wanted to be smart. Like, these were the things that mattered to me. And as I got into high school, I wanted to be a writer. Like, a writer. And, of course, when I was in school, I graduated in, uh, like, 2008, 2009 from college. Mm-hmm. So that's when, not to say that's when it happened, but I, so I was in college thinking I'm going to be a writer. 
Then it turns into, hey, this thing called blogging is happening where this whole print media world, this whole editor world is changing. Journalism is changing. Of course, that all happened. iPads come out. Like, all these things started happening. Of course, there was the whole, like, job market changed a great deal when I graduated. The economy changed. And so this idea of, like, wanting to be a writer that I had thought about being when I was, you know, 12, 10, 12 years old had changed yeah you know so I think that's what I thought I wanted to do in a way yeah but then me being me (laughs) means I don't really like the status quo and I just always thought you don't have to be the status quo like you Mm -hmm. don't have to do typical stuff I don't have to do this I don't have to have a nine-to-five I hate I don't have to hate Mondays I don't have to hate my boss like you know those very cliche storylines that we're told in life I just believe it it wasn't how it had to be so on some level, I've taken a bunch of, like, really wild risks that have... I, I mean, like, I've lived, like, a crazy, amazing life, I think. But at the same time, it is not without its, like, struggle and hardship. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, so you went to Vassar, like you mentioned. And you studied psychology. How did you choose coming to New York and, and going to school there? And what was what was college like for you? Well, I didn't pick any schools in the South except for Tulane and New Orleans. And at the last minute, I was like, I can't go here because it's too close to my family. I just wanted to be near New York. I wanted to be away, and I wanted to be near a major city. And so last minute, I said, you know what? This is an incredible opportunity. Vassar is a very good school. So that checked off the be smart and intelligent box for growing up. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go. Got to want my plane ticket, and that's been it. Did you always want to move to New York when you were a kid? I came as a kid because I talked to my dad about Broadway shows or something, like such a goofy kid. Like, there's this thing called Broadway. Don't know if you've heard about it, Dad, but he brought me to a show for, like, you know what? She wants to see this. She needs to see the world. What did you see? I think I saw, oh, my God, this is so shameful. I think I saw Cats. Okay. Did you know Cats gets, like, just people shit on Cats, man? Anyway, I liked it. So all of, all the dorks out there, we can unite, okay? So my dad brought me, and I remember thinking, I'm going to live here one day. Mm. I'm going to live here one day. Yeah. I had a super yeah. similar experience. Yeah. And I was probably eight or two. Yeah. Like, I was young. Yeah, I was, like, the exact same age. And I'm going to live here one day. Had no idea how or why. But that's been a lot of my life, like, in terms of, like, synchronicity and all, kind of. Like, I would yeah. put these crazy things in my journals as a kid. I've journaled since I was ten, by the way. Oh, my gosh. You really, like, miss that. journaling. We'll talk about this. <laughs> no, my life is in books. Um, so I, like, would write these wild things in my journal about, I'm going to move to New York. Yeah. No idea how this would ever manifest, but lo and behold, here I am. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. So is your family mostly from the South and stays in the mm. South? Yeah. Yeah. Still the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they come visit you a lot? Not a lot. Yeah. Not Do you go back to visit them? Not a lot. <laughs> yeah. We meet up in other places usually. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still close with your family? As close as we can be. Yeah. You know, distance is a thing. Yeah. You know, there's different types of distance. I mean, well, we can talk about long-distance relationships if you want to. Yeah. Um, but distance is, you know, there's physical distance, emotional distance, like spiritual distance, mm-hmm. intellectual distance, and there's different ways to, like, help Bridge. each of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's different ways to help all those sections. But if you don't have one, you have to rely on the others. Yeah. Like, so we're not, we can't drive by each other's house. Right. But we could have longer calls. We could watch the same movies. We could, you know, totally. just we try. So yeah. as close as we can be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you decide you want to live in New York. You yeah. find yourself in New York 
relatively young, super young yeah. in college. Where is Vassar? I don't Vassar's know. in Poughkeepsie. Okay, it so is, is that upstate? Two hours. Okay. I call it upstate. People that live upstate don't call it upstate. Yeah, it's not it's, in the city, though. Yeah, it's two hours north of the city, so it's technically okay. in the Hudson Valley. So I was at school for, what, four years, moved to Brooklyn, was working, was still going back and forth because, like, I love upstate. And at the mm-hmm. time, I was in food writing, so there's a lovely local food scene there. Cool. So I was at farms and all this kind of stuff up there at the time. Living in Brooklyn, after a year and a half, moved back to the Hudson Valley, and this time I lived on a farm. And I lived on a farm for two and a half years. Cool. Yeah, and then after that, I was coming uh, back and forth. Like, I was coming to New York, so I was going back and forth, and the commuting just got to be too much. And I had one of those, you know, life, just you can't make this stuff up weeks, where I think I lost two jobs, I didn't get into grad school, and, oh like, like, so many things happened. And basically, my to-do list was, like, buy toothpaste. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead um, and move to the city because there's going to be more opportunity and it's going to make more sense. So. Yeah. Where did you move? Here. Oh, <laughs> I've been this, in this, this apartment moment. ever since. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're right. You graduate from Vassar. You study psychology. You're working in food writing. Yeah. And pastry and baking. Wow. <laughs> so how did you make that shift from you thought you wanted to work in psychology and then you're you're working in food? Well, I wanted to work in food. I did psychology in college because it was, don't we, it was easy. I've been through so much therapy in my life that psychology came kind of like a second nature. Like I was, like I said, I'm a seeker. Like I'd go to therapy and she'd talk about a book. I'd go read the book. Mm, Like I'm just really hungry for knowledge in that sense. Yeah. And I liked having words for life and for people. And I'm fascinated with the human experience. So even when I was in food, I preferred baking and pastry for sure, but I was studying a lot of like food psychology. I'm really interested in how we form our identity around what we will and won't eat and what we do eat and what we don't eat. Yeah. Fascinated by, you know, how that all works out. Then I've got books for you. I've got so much material I can give you. Amazing. So I was most interested in that, but I primarily just wanted to be in food and food writing and... So what were you doing? So then you came here and you were like a food journalism? Food I journalist? freelancing, writing wherever I could write, editing wherever I could edit. Um, I was doing research and development for some places. Yeah. Where did you make the, the shift of, where do you think you came up with that fascination of people's relationships to food? Were you in therapy from a really young age? How did you get into therapy? I got into therapy because I told my dad I was sad one time. <laughs> and, and my dad, I mean, bless him, and thankfully, this was a wonderful thing, yeah. that there's not a stigma and stereotype around therapy and help in our in our family. That's great. Yeah, which I realized that is not the case for yeah. most people. Um, so that was it. I think I suffered probably from depression as a kid, like depression yeah. and anxiety that just, I didn't have words for. Yeah. You know? So you started going to therapy, like, as a child? Yeah, like, t- like eight or ten eight wow. nine ten yeah, I was really young wow that's so great and you connected with your therapist and they were well <laughs> first one no not at all because when I finally got down to like so I ended up having a really bad eating disorder in yeah. high school and got sent to inpatient treatment and all this stuff 
But when I really got down to it, I was probably between, you know, eight, nine, ten years old and finally broke down and said, I really just don't like my, my body. I don't like mm. it. And this therapist I had at the time eight, said, nine or ten. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and which is like, it's, you know, there's another issue under that. You know, yeah. they're never about your body. They're never about food. They're yeah. about the other issues. So I yeah. guess I didn't feel like I had any sort of like agency or autonomy as like a child in my family. I didn't have control of things. Like there, you know, it's like parents' relationships or lack thereof and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was going to eventually manifest it, of course, through eating disorders and body stuff. But I remember telling this therapist that at the time when I was so young, he basically said, oh, no, that's not, that's not problem. That's not your issue. You're fine. And I remember feeling so not validated. And I, I told my mother, I was like, I'm never going back. Because these are the small little things that, like, children pick up yeah. on, you know? So in my future work as a therapist myself, <laughs> these are things where it's like you just, you have to validate people's experiences, even if they're young, you know, even if yeah. they're children. Yeah, So that was the first of many. I mean, I had, I had a ton of therapists over the years, and I finally, in high school, found a lady who I just loved and worked mm. with her for probably six years, six oh, or seven. So I mean, good. even when I was still in college, so... So, can we talk about your eating disorder? Yeah, sure. Go for it. So, that was something that started in in high school for you, yeah. and then you went into treatment, and mm-hmm. then, and, and I, my story mirrors this as well, but mm-hmm. I, was a bit, I was a bit older. I was yeah. at the end of college. So, how has that played out in your life as something that you experienced so young, and then I know recovery isn't like a, for mm-hmm. me at least, and for a lot of people, isn't like a one-time yeah. situation. It's a, it's something that's kind of with you through your life. Has that been your experience? Not, not really. That's the thing. Like, I deal with more of the physical... Like, this is the thing I don't think people talk mm-hmm. about with eating disorders. The damage that can be done... It's, it will, like, affect you. Like, yeah. I stunned in my growth. Like, my heart was not beating correctly. Like, I was basically about to die. Like, mm. I would go to sleep and didn't know if I was going to wake up. Like, I was oh, less God. than half of what I weigh now at this height. Like, you can yeah. see I'm not. Like, yeah. there's not much to go some places. But it was bad. I was, like, really close to death. Had mm. I not gone to this, like, had my dad not picked me up and said, you have to go. We have to go. Yeah. You know, so... After that, I, it all had to do with depression and anxiety and control for me. Yeah. And once I didn't have, like, once I had more of a plan to stick to, I had tried to develop a wellness plan before I got shipped off. I had decided I need a wellness plan. I'm not healthy. I'm not well. I so obviously, you could see it. Yeah. I'm yeah. not faring well for myself here. Right. And the adults in my life can't give me the guidance or the help I need, which, no shade to my family members. It's just, they didn't, yeah. I don't know, they didn't see it or they didn't know how to help in a way. So I'd created this like wellness plan, didn't really work out. (laughs) And obviously I got shipped off. And then when I came back, like 50 something days later, I had like structure, like I had a plan and I was monitored by a bunch of people, but I had more tools to like help myself. So since then I haven't had any, like, I don't have any weird controlling thoughts about food or body or any of that stuff, which is a blessing. But treatment really worked for you. Yeah. That's great. Because I think the biggest thing is, and I try to tell people this, it's, it's what's going on below, you know, like it's the deeper stuff. Yeah. There was one year in college when I was a freshman when I got like really bingy in a way, like I'd get anxious and stressed out and I would just eat and eat and eat. And then it's that kind of dissipated as well. Like once the first semester ended, like, and I found some sense of normalcy, 
the rest of it goes away. Mm. And I mean, that's like such a nuanced answer. And it's like, well, great, Claire, you didn't help us at all. But yeah. really, it's, it goes a lot to say about like when you're focusing so heavily on like your food or your body, that's not the answer. Like my therapist who helped the most, she never mentioned food or body one time. Mm. She never mentioned my weight. She never mentioned habits, you know, because they all want to know like, what, what are you doing and all this kind of stuff. She never talked about it. She talked about my family. She talked about how I felt about my place in the world. Yeah. And that's, like, you know, one day I just woke up and was like, this isn't a problem anymore. Don't know how this happened, but it's not. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's that's so impressive and inspiring and really cool. So we always talk about body image because Mm -hmm. my my history and, and just the world that we live in. What about... We talked about, you know, the food and the behaviors Mm -hmm. and how that hasn't really relapsed. But what about body image and being, you know, you're a public person, you work in wellness and fitness. Do you ever, have you ever struggled with body image? To me, you're this beautiful, confident person, but do you ever have moments? Honestly, I mean, I want to say no, but that sounds like such an egotistical answer no. to some extent. I just and if don't, no, like how? Yeah, I just, I just don't give a fuck. Yeah. And that is like, I think that if I learned anything from when I had an eating disorder, right, mm-hmm. was I spent so much time consumed with my body and what I yeah. was going to eat and what I wasn't going to eat and how these shorts looked or how that shirt didn't look or how this muscle went on this arm or how it yeah. how that leg muscle looked and I wasted so much of my time and I think like even when I was in treatment I was kind of given the space to just exhale like yeah I don't have to worry about any of this shit anymore. Like, I have three little outfits. That's all I have to wear here because I didn't pack for a whole 50 days of treatment. I packed for a weekend. Get that. My family had to ship me clothes. (laughs) I didn't have anything. I was like, I have nothing to worry about. And when I didn't have worries and I didn't have stress, I was like, it just doesn't matter. And I think Mm. how much of life gets wasted because, I mean, this is actually, I'm working on this book right now and a lot of it is about self-worth and self-esteem and self-efficacy and all these kind of things. And it's like... I just, I don't have time to care about all that. Mm. My life is going to pass me by. And, you know, it, the beach doesn't care if I like my thighs or not. Like, yeah. it's just going to pass us by and we're going to lose out on so much joy and so much experience that yes. we're not promised in a way. Yeah. Thinking about really, or being consumed actually, because I also am writing a lot about the positives and negatives of social media, but consumed with our physical appearance. Yeah. What we look like what our bodies look like and it's just it's also so fleeting in a way yeah you know it's so inspiring to hear you in this space where you're Mm -hmm. just like this is me this is how my body looks and I have more important things to consume myself with and use my time for and that that has been my experience of like when I thought about how much mm-hmm. of my energy I was putting and just my mental bandwidth yeah. to thinking about these uh-huh. things, I was like, I could be the president or I could be, I could write 12 books and mm-hmm. I could do so much more than I'm doing. And that made me really sad. And I, you know, I, I, what I always say now is I wanted to make my life as a whole really great, not just my body. Yeah. And but I do have days, like, outside of just, like, physical appearance, mm-hmm. when you're just not feeling yeah. yourself, or you're just not feeling good, or you're feeling just out of it or off, like, how do you come back? Like, what are your tools for getting back to feeling like yourself, or, like, what are kind of your rituals if you ever have, like, an off day? 
Um, that's an interesting question about the whole, yeah, I'm coming off of some health stuff that caused a bunch of inflammation. And so, like, it's not to, not to say I look bad, but, like, you know you don't look your best because you're like, my body is physically reacting yeah. to... First of all, you look amazing, but oh, just thank this you. is an audio presentation. But. No, but, like, you just, you're like, oh, I just look I like... You mean. Yeah, your face will show signs of inflammation. Purple, yeah. purple circles under your eyes, which is also, like, if you have a food intolerance or something, like, your body shows these kind of things. So I'm like, you know what? It's just part of the process. It's the same way, like, you were mentioning earlier about this whole, like, how is how do I handle body image being in a public space now? Which is really interesting, because on some levels, I'm known for my body in weird ways. Like, there's a very physical part to some of what I do. Like, it is yoga. that was yeah. built on a lot of images around yoga. And that I'm not, like, a super small yoga person, which is the stigma and the stereotype around it. But the thing is, like, people feel the right to comment on your body all the time whether my weight is up or my weight is down I just look at it as all part of the process like I know where I'm most comfortable and where I like things which Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's vain or awful I think we're allowed to go I like more muscles or I like less muscles I like more weight I like less weight you know you're allowed to determine what feels and looks the best to you it's Mm -hmm. your journey you know this is your sporting model to go through life with so you can be how you like so I I just kind of have this, like, so maybe I'm having a good day, maybe I'm having a bad day, but it's all part of the journey. And we can yeah. always get back to where we want to be. It's like, one day it's off. Okay, well, maybe the next day or the next day it will be back to a place where it feels good. And, like, even the days it feels really good, inevitably there will be a day where you don't feel so good. You know, coming up, yeah. it's almost like this just radical acceptance of the good and the bad that exist within life and within bodies, you know? Yeah. You mentioned at some point that you had what you said were, like, controversial opinions about body image or body positivity. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. We'll talk about it. So, when I first got into all of this social media kind of stuff, right, body positivity movement wasn't How did you get into Back in 2013, I started posting pictures of yoga and just kind of went viral and it blew up after that. Yeah. And so at that time, what were you doing career-wise? I was uh, training at that point. I was doing personal training. Okay. Yeah, I'd walked out of my... Yeah, I was teaching yoga as well. I'd walked out of my journalism job uh, maybe a year before that and thought, you know what, I'll give myself a mental break. Like, I've got certifications. I'll just do this other thing. And it kind of blew up from there. And so you're just yeah. posting on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Were you blogging too back no. then? No. <laughs> yeah. No. None of it. Just Instagram. And it just blew up to the point where mm-hmm. now that's your your full-time thing and now you... There's a lot more that goes into it yeah. now. For sure, the last two years has been way more than just that. But it was, you know, a big catalyst for it, for yeah. sure. And that was back in, like, the original days. Like, I was on the first wave of, like yoga social media and fit influencers like the first wave before the algorithms changed before before it became the crazy world of brands and promotions and ads and things it is now yeah it was a very different landscape then yeah but so interesting body positivity yeah i've always been asked because like so i i have okay so i was saying yoga is a certain look it's a certain body Mm -hmm. types there's like this idea of what and who does yoga right it looks a certain way And I'm not like that at all. I'm quite unconventional for the space. And I think that that was something that was really refreshing for people to see. And maybe a little like, how is that big girl like 
so flexible. And I'm like, that's not revolutionary, guys. Like, it's just not. But that was a big part of it. So I've always been asked about, like, body image and body positivity. And I I just am like, well, I just have a body that I occupy, that I enjoy, and that I'm not afraid to show the world. And that doesn't mean I show it in explicit, open ways, because that's one of my big qualms with body positivity movement is it's almost like they're still valuing like women's bodies over women in a way like mm-hmm. even mainstream campaigns yeah. you can't have a body positivity campaign unless they're naked i say that like such a southern person <laughs> unless they're nude half nude in their underwear it's, like it's almost as if me just showing up and doing i thought if i just showed up and did yoga that was confident enough like that i'm willing to put my practice on a public forum why do I not have to have clothes on to, to signify confidence? It, it just seems really blurry because I actually don't know if that's as empowering as we think it is yeah. in this space. So I have some qualms with it in that sense. Yeah, that that makes yeah. sense, and it's such it's such a complicated thing. It really is, and I've written there. I have like we can post my blog in the notes mm-hmm. or something, but I've written like essays, probably four at this point, that are like about women, body empowerment, what's really going on. Like I've got questions, and I've got things that are like at least I did that were like conflicting thoughts and opinions, and like does this make me feel empowered? Does it not? Like. Why, if one person does it, is it confident? And if someone else does it, she's a slut. Like, where's the line? Like, I would get so tangled up. And so I've had to kind of really flesh out, like, what's appropriate for me? What matters to me? And, you know, do kind of the deeper dive internally instead of just looking at, like, outwardly what's presented to us that we're supposed to consume as confident and validated and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's yeah. such an interesting, complicated thing because we, as women, there are standards of beauty that exist, and standards of beauty have existed for millennia, which is fine, but it's only relatively recently that standards of beauty have included thinness as an ideal, and that is damaging like it has been Mm -hmm. for both of us physically mentally as well Mm -hmm. and it's pervasive because all day long in the media it's telling us that one body shape is Mm -hmm. the ideal by showing us it's changing now thank Mm -hmm. goodness and work like what you're doing and what so many people are doing are helping with that but I think especially for young people like ourselves Mm -hmm. we were shown that to be happy, to be successful, to be famous, to live in New York, to have these things mm-hmm. that we thought we wanted for whatever reason. And, like, the standard of beauty includes whatever is most difficult to attain and costs the most money and resources mm-hmm. to attain. So it's such a complicated thing that we decide that this one shape is beautiful and then we want to attain it when that might not be how our body's meant to be. And it seems like you've gotten to a point where you are in such great acceptance with who you are, but there's also this, like, push-pull and just life with people wanting Mm -hmm. to be different than what they are. Mm -hmm. How do you... I I guess this isn't really a question. I just want to talk about this, I Mm -hmm. guess. It's like, do you see the standards of beauty shifting? Do you... I'm, I'm not really being, like, articulate about it, but it's such an interesting thing to... About it shifting? Yeah, or I guess, like... I don't know, just kind of what are your thoughts on the current standards of beauty and about how we 
I don't know, I guess just how people interact with, like, this whole body positivity movement mm-hmm. that's, like, telling us the this type of body is okay that you haven't really seen as much before. Yeah. When it's, like, it almost makes it worse for them to tell me that that's okay. Like, I, it was always okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and I mean, it also has become, like, of course, anything that gets put on social media, no matter how innocent it is at the beginning, can somehow get bastardized along the way. Yeah. So it was, I think body positivity was for people who had very marginalized bodies, who had not been shown, you know, in spaces yeah. and had been told... Not only, because we love to, as a society, put moral bounds on things. Yeah. So it's not so much that thin was good, but fat was bad. Yeah. And if you're, and so then you're bad if you have something that's not, quote-unquote, desirable in mainstream. Right. And so I think body positivity originally was a space where people could say, I'm still positive about my body, even if it doesn't fit into what you like. Yeah. Or what uh, media likes, or what mainstream advertising likes, or what is shown to us as good you know yeah and it has now even on social media been taken back by like anybody who has a little role when they sit down or right you know so it's actually been almost taken away from the people who might need it the most in a sense and there's also a very like even within like uh, body positivity or plus size modeling is a great example there's still an acceptable body within that <laughs> Right. Yeah, totally. there's a certain shape where it's like you're acceptably big, but yeah. if you're this shape, you're not. Like yeah. like you have to be curvy cuz that's attractive, but if you're not, then you're just big. And that's like those are terrible like messages terrible. to feed yeah. people. And so my biggest thing, so I was saying like back 2 3 years ago and this really kind of got moving and I got pushed into the yeah. body positivity space. Um, I had some people I was working with at the time and they said, why don't we do like a big body positive campaign? Like we'll start like a hashtag and all this stuff. And I said, it's so hard for me because my, I don't like the obsession and you're Mm -hmm. someone who's had an eating disorder. You understand it. Obsession is what you have to get away from. And so even if you're thinking about your body from the other side of it, you're still obsessed with your physical body. You're still obsessed with your physical appearance. Like the obsession is what really bothers me and where like my heart just breaks that like even people that are in you know very prolific body positivity people every pictures of their body on social media and it's I mean maybe that's how it's supposed to be but for me it just feels like an obsession because it's like you still can't because I mean that makes it difficult too because social media is a is a visual platform so when we were trying to do this whole hashtag thing probably Mm -hmm. back in 2015 I was stuck because I thought how do I visually represent and show not obsessing I got so hung up on this I mean that you guys can go and read the stuff I wrote I was just like I don't How do I tell people it's not about the obsession, you know? Yeah. How do you love your body without, like, and and you can show it, but be careful how you show it because it gets really misconstrued sometimes. How did you, how did you, like, come to some resolve for that? What did you end up doing? It fell really flat. Like, I ended up not doing, like, anything with it. It was, like, this hashtag that just, like, never really went anywhere. I wrote some pieces on the blogs about it and was still just working through it and was like, you know what, when I really kind of figure this all out is when I'll move forward with it. But I got to a place where I was like, you know what, I'm not going to fall into this. Like, I had a photo shoot one time, right? Not too long ago, maybe in the last year. And I was part of this group that they were honoring people, like, making progress, like, in their spaces. And I thought, how, how nice. I feel to be admired for something that's not my body, right? Like, that feels really good. And I got to the shoot and blah, 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 having, like, a button up or a button down. I don't know what they're called. Is it up or down? 
button. I don't know. Well, it was a shirt that has I a collar. Inter- interchangeably. And some buttons. Yeah. <laughs> I was covered up is the term. <laughs> I had on, like, regular pants, like, slacks of some sort or stretchy joggers or something and, like, sneakers. Take these little pictures. And they said, you know, we really want to push the whole, like, you know, how confident you are in your body. And I said, okay. And they said, so on a scale of, like, one to nude, like, how nude will you get? And I was like, I'm not taking anything off. But I realized that, like, there is this association between to showcase body positivity, you also have to have, like, skin. You have to have no clothes on. And I'm like, that's not what body positivity is, though. Body positivity, in my mind, is, like, you know, like, being naked in front of your... I say that like any KKID, by the way. It's being like nude in front of like your lover, like ha- you know, doing things with the lights on, yeah. like going to the beach and not stressing about what swimsuit you did or didn't bring, or you know, just finding something that you're comfortable in, you can move in, that the parts you don't want to pop out aren't popping out, and yeah. you go and enjoy your trip. You don't think too terribly much about it. You don't, you know, stress about how do I have to have a cover up to go get a drink at the at the bar at the beach or something like. Body positivity just means showing up. It yeah. means going to yoga and not trying to hide because you're afraid people are looking at your body. It means being able to just walk around or go to a store and shop and buy whatever size fits. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's a 2 or 22 or yeah. just whatever piece of clothing fits. Just pick four sizes that may fit you and put on the one that feels good, that you feel good in because nothing makes us more aware of our body than ill-fitting clothes, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> just, you will be, they'll send your head into a whole other place because I remember with the eating disorder days, like, if things didn't fit away, I would, yeah. I would think I looked away I didn't, which leads to, like, body dysmorphic disorder and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's what body confidence means to me. Like, it means showing up mm. and just saying, this is me and I'm going to enjoy it every day and, like, not making apologies for our bodies we love to say, oh, I'm sorry I look so tired today. I'm sorry I, like, really am a mess. Like, I'm yeah. sorry I put on some weight. No, you don't, don't, you don't have to be sorry. Yeah. You know? Yes. So that's what I'm trying to push, and it is so hard to visually represent that on the Internet. So yeah. I'm trying. Well, you're, doing, you're doing a great job. My best. Can we talk a bit about being a influencer? Yeah. Um, I don't know why I put quotes. You're, like, totally that. But I just, I'm, I'm unclear of, like, what... An influencer, yeah. What it means, like, what does it mean to you? How do you balance your relationship with social media and your phone, and and Mm. just like technology in general, with also it being your job or part of your job? Mm, It very much is, and I have like rebelled against it for so long, and I still, I'm in it, and I still rebel against it. I can't stand the term influencer. It's accurate, I won't lie, but it's just it's like. People now, like, I'm listening to young people, like, they want to do this for a living. Like, it's a job title now. I never looked at it like that, you know? Like, this was not my goal. I didn't plan on getting... It didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't plan on getting a big following. Like, it just happened. Like, so I can't tell people how to grow your following. I don't know. I really don't. And I've taken a massive hit because I did change what I was posting because I said I'm not going to post cheap pictures of my body anymore because they get likes. They're easy. As women, we all know, like... There's certain stuff you can post, and it gets all the attention. And I said, I'm not going to do it anymore. So I took a hit in quantity to rise in quality. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so it happens. It's just like it's it's a a steeper road, but it's the road I'd rather take because I can look myself in the mirror, you know, in the mornings. Um, But about being in the space of being an influencer, it's... 
I feel that I now have a social responsibility to my audience. Like now that I was given a platform and so mm-hmm. many, you know, eyes on what I do, that I have a responsibility to be something of substance in an otherwise very vapid and void space. Yeah. So it's important for me to be impactful with what I do, to put out content I'm proud of, to get the messages that I know people need, or at least the things I needed when I was younger, to get those messages out. And maybe we lose some people along the way, but that is fine. I would much rather be something of, like, quality. No pun intended with my Instagram handle. (laughs) But I would rather be something that I can, like, stand behind. Not just, like... I mean, for the most part, social media is, like, a glorified popularity contest. Yeah, right? totally. And you realize there's not much substance behind a lot of these things. And it's people that just... I always ask myself before I post things or before I get involved with campaigns or brands, etc. Does this serve the work? And the work is basically whatever is in your heart, your purpose, your passion, what you want to do, what you feel is valuable. Does this serve the work or does it serve ego? Does it serve celebrity? Does it serve fame? Does it serve a very small self-esteem? Does it serve like insecurities? Does it serve a place of like competitiveness and needing outward validation? And like, you've got to ask yourself these questions if you, if you're in a space like I am. And then if you're a consumer of it on the other side, I always tell my followers, like, be skeptical. Be skeptical of what you see. Like, be skeptical of what they're putting out there. It is but one layer, you know, Mm -hmm. to a lot of things. And only consume things that you can trust or you can, you know, even question sometimes. Like, even if someone's got a ton of great content, like, and there's a few things you don't agree with, it's it's okay because it triggers, you know, you thinking more about other things. It, It makes us more thinking. And then when we think more, we're more aware. We're better people overall. But yeah, that's kind of how the influencer space feels to me. And for the most part, the people who are really like tastemakers and like culture shaping, like just dope people, Mm -hmm. they don't call themselves influencers. Yeah. You know, like people that are like the trendsetters and the tastemakers are not the ones saying they are. Like they move in silence. Yeah. And you have to continually evolve. Because that's where even I am. It's like I'm constantly evolving because, like, there's brands that watch. There's other, you know, influencers that watch. And it's like I didn't come up in this space, not to say behind other people, because I did get into this so early. It's always been on, like, a space of evolving, evolving, evolving. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep evolving. It's not about just doing the same stuff over and over and over, at least not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. First of all, you are the real deal. Like, you are so... I'm just so happy that you're so great. Not that I, like, didn't think that you would be, but you're, like, I thought you were going to be great, and you're, like, exceeding my expectations. Mm, yeah, yeah. Blush. You are so smart and articulate, and, yeah, no, I'm, like, having a great time. Just an intermission to, to say that. So, on your blog, you do have a blog now, and mm-hmm. it is fantastic. I binged on it today. And you wrote this essay on your site about sustainable self-love, and I especially loved that and I wrote down this line where you said admitting how we are just as we are not hiding our shadow selves away gives us a newfound freedom to accept ourselves full whole people also have bad days and bad qualities I loved that in particular so much and people should read that in its entirety but can you talk about sustainable self-love and where you are with that today Yeah, sustainable self-love is one of my favorite kind of topics because 
like I said, I'm skeptical. Like, I'm always skeptical of the stuff I see on the internet. And right now, because I'm doing research for this book, <laughs> hashtag self-love and hashtag self-care and all these kind yeah. of things are huge. Self-love is massive right now. Yeah. But are we really doing it in a way that's sustainable? Like, do people even know what self-love is? Like, yeah. past just being like, huh? And so I get this question sometimes. It's like, how am I going to love me if I don't even really like me? And it's true, because I think a lot of times we associate self-love just with, like, physical appearance, like our bodies. Mm -hmm. But it also goes as deep as to, like, the decisions we make and the mistakes we make. Like, it's really hard. Like, if you've gone to work one day and you fucked up your presentation and your boss is on you, it's hard to like yourself because you're like, I'm a screw-up. Like, I make mistakes. Or say you do something, you make your partner, you hurt your partner, you hurt someone you love. Like, yeah. you know, you, you we do things as humans that we're not always so proud of. Totally. Right? Yeah. We sometimes make a decision where we're like, oh, I should not have done A, B, or C. And so we start to feel bad about ourselves. So self-esteem is not just liking our bodies and being confident in our physical appearance it's also about how do we feel about who we are on the inside yeah yeah and so i think as whole people like to be a whole functioning person like to be a human means that we have all this stuff inside of us like we have the ability to make mistakes and we will inevitably we will frustrate hurt and anger like the people we love the most without fail and they will do the same to us you know we will make decisions we don't really like sometimes you know, we'll feel pressured into something. We'll feel like we don't have options. We'll feel like we'll live with our head in the sand but not even know sometimes. Like, we're human. So as for many good things we can do is just as many bad things we can do. And so I think to fully embody, like, this human experience. And it's the same thing with the physical stuff, like our body shape and how that ebbs and flows. Yeah. Like, maybe it's up, maybe it's down. You have to accept that all of that exists within you. And just say, you know what? Like, know yourself. And knowing yourself says there's a bunch of, you know, conflicting stuff that goes on all inside of me. And maybe I'm even hypocritical sometimes, you know, because it's just part of who we are. And I think that that's a much more sustainable way to look at self-love is to go, you know what, I love me, even though I'm still working on parts of me, you know, even though like I made a mistake, but I can do better tomorrow. Or, you know, I didn't know that, but now I do so I can go learn more. Or I hurt this person, but I can love this person again as well like we have a new day and we have a new moment and we can always shift and change how we feel about that so I think self-love is like this thing that just encases us no matter what we're doing and I don't want to use that as like an excuse for bad behavior you know just like well I'm an asshole just can't help it now I wouldn't look at it that way for like your listeners but I would look at it as a sense of like loving the whole experience mm-hmm. and all the parts that make you you yeah. and even looking at maybe some of those uh things that we think are negatives in a more positive light like I always talk to my boyfriend about this whole like spectrum of things mm-hmm. like on the one side a girl may say oh, I'm really I'm really like clingy and needy but it could also be like maybe you're just really devoted yeah, like you know right. and how can you spin these yeah. in a more positive light like you know so yeah. I think that we can always we can look at those things like maybe you got really upset about something and you're like oh man well maybe you're just also really passionate and how can you channel that positively like yeah. if you make a mistake at work maybe it's because you were rushing so think about well okay well I was rushing because I'm trying to do too much I'm an overachiever I'm trying to achieve yeah. too much how can you manage that in like a really human kind way you know because you gotta be kind to yourself totally. to love yourself right or part of loving yourself is being kind to yourself. Yeah. And doing, because I've so been there before where, like, Mm -hmm. I do something that makes me cringe, that I'm embarrassed of, or I feel sad about, and then instead of just being like, oh, you just did your old thing again, that's okay, 
now let's choose again. Now let's mm-hmm. improve. I'll spiral. Yeah. And I'll just be like, well, you're so terrible. You're so awful. You're so stupid. Your body. And then it's just this whole thing where if I, that was just one thing. I could have mm-hmm. just shifted. Like, yeah, that was bad. But, like, mm-hmm. tomorrow's a new day. Or I can. And I, this happens a lot. Yeah. I think in relationships. Like, I see this from me with my boyfriend. So I'm like, true. I'll do something that I'm embarrassed about. And he's like, okay, yeah, that sucked. But, like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not able to move on. Not because he can't, but because. I'm still beating myself up. Mm-hmm. And that was just such a great shift of, like, I think that is actual self-love, is being okay when you mess up and not letting yourself spiral. Yeah, because it's sustainable. Because yeah. something sustainable means that it's, like, accepting how life is. And life is not always perfect, great decisions, body positivity on 1,000. Yeah. Like, that's not always the case. So a sustainable view of, like, longevity in the world of quote-unquote self-love, in my opinion, means accepting all the parts of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, this is so great. I could talk to you forever. So you you recently wrote about not being positive all the time and, and that being okay, which <laughs> yeah. we're, we're kind of talking about right now. But could you talk about that and why positive thinking all the time isn't the most realistic or sustainable approach, especially in the space that you're in? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, because I'm in wellness. Right. Yo, one time I got told I was too dark for, for wellness and for yoga. I guess it's because, like, I don't, I don't smile a lot in pictures. Like, I smile a lot as in life, but it feels disingenuous sometimes, like, especially in selfies. Like, who are you smiling at? Just the camera? Like, it's, I don't know. It's so strange to yeah. me. So... I told her I was too dark, I guess, because they were like, oh, she seems a little depressing, and yoga's not depressing. And it's like, that's a whole other misconception, because, oh, man, it's just a thing. So with no wellness, positive thinking is is a big thing. You know, we talk a lot about mindfulness and mentality and, like, mindset a lot. And there is something to be said for, you know, energy and the power of positive thinking, for sure. I think affirmations, if you've been in eating disorder work, you Mm -hmm. know how this goes. Setting uh, good intentions and having positive affirmations for yourself. They can be impactful. They can be really good in terms of reshaping self-esteem and self-image and the thoughts that we hold about ourselves. They change the the talk in your head. So I don't think positivity is all bad. But I think now, because it is so front of mind, that we can almost start feeling bad for not being positive. And we can get scared, like, oh my god, I had a negative thought. My whole day is going to go to shit. Like, oh, i got to think positive. i got to think positive. And so we get, like, almost, we get... We almost make ourselves miserable by trying to be so positive all the time. Because once again, it goes back to this idea of, like, you might have good thoughts, you might have bad thoughts. Like, we're trying to shift them all to more good than bad. But you can't help but have things that pop up, right? Like, wouldn't it be a wonderful, ideal world if we were just in spaces of calm peaceful right. serenity all day long and nothing stressed us no one no one made us mad nothing happened that got us going that we felt was unjust or unfair like just nothing happened just just floated through it all right. i wish i could get to a place of being that enlightened you know yeah but it's just like yeah so we can make ourselves feel bad yeah you know? and then that cuts us off from the human experience right because once again the human experience has negative stuff like yeah. it has grief it has anger it has you know, and these things are actually, they cue us into what we're feeling, and it helps us be more aware of ourselves. Like, if you're angry, it's for a reason. If you're frustrated, there's something else going on. Yeah. If you're, you know, sad about something, where is that coming from? So it helps us become more aware of who we are and how we experience the world. But if we're in a space of, I have to be super cheery, super smiley, super on 100 all the time, 
you want to hide those feelings because it's like, oh man, I'm, oh, I gotta hide this. I can't let people know I don't feel well, or I right. can't let people know I'm not positive right now. So that's an undue pressure. Yeah. So that's how I think about that. Yeah. Well, another thing that I wanted to talk about when we were talking about social media is comparison. And I also I wrote it down to talk about it with with fitness and wellness specifically. I think. It'd be interesting for you to uh, discuss like the obligatory nature of fitness and of you have to do it this many times a week or you have mm-hmm. to work out this many times. I know you've written on that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then also with social media, you just you're seeing more of people's lives than we ever have before. And mm-hmm. we just didn't know what people were having for lunch five mm-hmm. years ago. You know, we didn't know how many times a week they worked out because we weren't looking at them all day long. So how do those two pieces kind of work together? How do you handle comparison mm-hmm. with social media? And then maybe start with, with fitness and, mm-hmm. and how you handle that. Well, fitness and wellness, that whole space yeah. and social media. It's a lot. I mean, first off, you were like, we just didn't see people's meals. But even now, just because we see it doesn't mean it happened. Right. Just because you posted about working out, did you really work out? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's almost like if you don't post did you work out? Like right. if a tree falls, if a girl goes to the gym and doesn't post, did she actually go to the gym? Yeah. Like I'm joking, but still. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, Such I'm super laid back. Uh, even as a trainer, I would get, a lot of my clients would be the ones who'd had like traumatic experiences with trainers, like yelling at them and telling them they were weak or making them do certain oh. exercises. Yeah, I know it's tough, but it's the world of fitness, right? Some people yeah. love that. They go to boot camp and get yelled at for yeah. hours. I would be like, oh no, not today. And mm. I would just leave. Like my stress levels can't handle it. I'm like slow and steady and it's like, yeah. I'll get to it. I will get I'll to those to 10 reps. I'll go to class and I'll just ride. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. I'm just going on a stroll. And, like, like, I'm just here music. for the, yeah. just sing along. Like, oh. I'm just here for the music. Yeah. And the yeah, I'm just so laid back about the whole thing because it has to do with like sustainability and maybe that's not the most motivating but I, we don't have to kill ourselves to be in shape first off I'll just leave that as you know just a takeaway for that yeah. one comment but in terms of like the fitness space when it gets put on social media a lot of times we feel like it is inspiring because it reminds us to like oh man I, I should work out some more like that's a good that's a good exercise like I should be healthy I should eat some but I feel like avocado it often makes me feel bad I was gonna say myself. there okay. is a caveat <laughs> to that that it actually makes us feel bad there's actually studies and data that has come out about our friends uh, fitness post actually make us feel worse about ourselves because yeah. <laughs> we start comparing ourselves that like well she went to the yeah. gym eight times and I didn't go to the gym at all and I have it so, I'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> you, you. Know, I just need to relate like I particularly have it so bad where I like I'll have I'll be feeling completely fine and then I'll see someone say like post-workout breakfast and I'll be like well I just ate that and I didn't work out. Like, am I allowed? Like, I hate that term. It really gets me. Like, you don't have to post post walk, post hike, post class. Like, you can mm-hmm. eat breakfast regardless of yeah. what it came after. Post sleep. Yeah, like, well, you know what else it does is it turns food into this... It's only, oh, like you use the word acceptable, or am I allowed yeah. to do this? It's only acceptable in certain spaces. I have a friend so in the bad. UK who's a who's like a fitness blogger who is just, she's hilarious first off, but she's great, and she's really good with her visuals, and she speaks a lot about this. It'll be like, you know, like healthy breakfast, and it'll, also, it'll be like also healthy breakfast, and one is like all, you know, Fruit Loops and processed sugars and p- pancakes, and the other one is like, 
berries and oatmeal. And she's like, they're both fine for you. Like healthy day of eating, healthy day of eating. Like it's not one is better than the other, you know? It's like serving size, also a serving size. Like it it can be one tablespoon or eight tablespoons. It depends on what you want. And like she has a very healthy relationship with food. And I think... I think like a lot of young people can relate to because she's very good visuals with what she puts yeah. out there, and um, I'll give you her name yeah, stuff I before I get say, off of this. She's super sure cool. I'm link to it. Yeah, but it's like this idea that we we do we compare ourselves to like so much. I mean, yeah. I compare myself more from like a business standpoint because I own my own business, so I'm like, hmm, who's speaking on that panel? Why didn't I get yeah. asked to do that event? Why didn't I? asked to go to this like oh I used to talk to them why am I working with them anymore yeah. and I had to catch myself like real quick with that like a year or two ago because I'm like we I can't make any progress if I keep looking at other people's shit in a way yeah. it's not to say I don't look at it now because I do think you need to be aware of your industry whatever you're doing like you just need to be like if you're a chef you need to be know about other restaurants like, right there's about being aware about your industry and then there's a point where like you can't move forward because you're so tangled up in yeah. comparison you need to have blinders on a bit yeah that's not healthy so really that's how I think it boils down to a social media and so the fitness aspect of it and the whole food aspect of it once again it's like be skeptical like just know that that's not always reality and not only is it and maybe even if it's their reality it doesn't have to be yours and you're still okay yeah it's not a better than situation you know and I try to be very open with my followers about how much I do and don't work out like this is my job and I do what I can depending on my work schedule you know, so when I'm traveling, I might not work out at all because I'm not available to do so and I'm not stressed out about it either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get to a point where you can just maintain and you're like, I'm happy and I'm living my life. And, you know, yeah. that's a very different mentality than it has to be three days a week, five days a week, you know, yeah. have to eat these things. The only time that really comes in is if you have a specific goal, like you have a really specific goal or something you're training for or training towards where then you know like a more structured eating schedule really comes into play you know maybe you have like diabetes or something and you really need to start managing what you're eating and consuming and the hours you're doing so then look towards a more structured plan that's like your health kind of depends on you being regimented in a way but other than that i think there's just a lot more freedom that we don't give ourselves because we're taught that like there's this rigidity to it that is almost like better and healthier and it's really not it's just more obsessed yeah and stress stressful and stress is worse for your body than anything people that kill themselves in these cardio classes you actually don't lose any fat well you can lose some but you don't lose as much as you could because your body doesn't know the difference in stress right so it thinks it's stressed out all the time when if you just would relax a little bit, sleep more, you'd probably drop weight, you know? Yeah. And you don't have to kill yourself. So silly. Because I saw in one of your videos that you said that you want people to feel contentment. What does contentment mean to you today? So contentment is kind of the more popular way to say happiness. That is, like we were talking about, like sustainable self-love and like not being positive all the time. It's like, okay, like we try to be as much as we can, but if we don't, that's okay. The best thing I think we can look for in life is to be content, to be content. It doesn't mean to be chasing this joyous happiness all the time because happiness ultimately is contentment yeah Yeah. no but it's like just being content yeah because there's going to be good and there's going to be bad and so it's like if you can be content then you just can kind of roll with the punches in a way yeah 
So that's my whole mentality. Yeah. Like, I just want people to be okay and not stressed out and not feel that they lack anything and not feel like they're less than or not feel like they're not good enough to do A, B, or C. Or My biggest thing is self-worth, which is what this book will be about. I just want people to feel like they're worthy. Yeah. And they're worthy to do anything they want in this in this world and in this yeah. life. And, and even though there are so many things put up in different spaces for different people and shapes and, you know, classes and all this kind of stuff that, that yes, there's... There's difficulties that we'll face, but it doesn't mean you're not worthy. Like, you're not worthy of, like, love and acceptance and yeah. belonging and all those, like, very deeply human things that we can find, yeah. you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. We were talking about stress before. How do you handle stress as an entrepreneur and just a person in the world? Do you have any—what are your kind of self-care routines or methods for, for handling stress? Throughout your day, too, we always talk about— morning and evening routines maybe like the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning and the last few things you do before bed how does that kind of play into your stress levels <laughs> for me stress I am really bad with things in the mornings and I get so stressed out because I'm like I'm not gonna wake up so I just don't plan any meetings or calls before 11 a.m. or noon. And that is a luxury at this point because I work for myself. I mean, granted, I do still have brunch and breakfasts and things I have to go to sometimes. But if I just set my schedule in a way that I can manage, much less stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and then things that are not in my control, because that is very much an in-control situation that I can handle. Things that aren't in my control, I, I get renewed with, like, silence and quiet and cutting off from I me. Mean, we live in New York, so it's like all the chaos is two steps yeah. away all the time. So it's like I can have my little haven, my oasis at home. It's quiet. It's still. That kind of stuff really helps me, like, chill out. Or I take really long showers, mm -hmm. which is, of course, you know, all the best ideas come in a really long yeah, shower. Totally. And also showers are great because, like, unless you have a waterproof bag for your phone, which is excessive and you need to stop that. They, you have, they have waterproof bags for phones, yeah. So oh, hopefully man. the shower is a place where you can't have your phone. You yeah. literally cannot have it. So it's, like, such a good place to just, like, go into your own little world yeah. and, like, think about life in a way and just there's... You know, nothing that pressing is hopefully going to happen in the time it takes you to take a shower. Totally. You know, the, the world could just go on for a little while. So that's really important to me. What about in the evening? What are, like, kind of the last few things you do when, to, before you go to bed and wind down? And, like, how do you shut down being an entrepreneur when it's always going? I know. It does. It always goes. There are yeah. times I will be... I send a lot of emails in the evenings because it's quiet. Like, I work better at night. Yeah. Because no one can bother me at night. Everybody else's day is over totally. and they're out like having dinner with their friends and I'm working. But I really just, it's quiet again. Like I just quiet and skincare, I find very ritual like. Like it's yeah. like a ritual and it's like cleansing and healing yeah, and I get back to myself in a way. So I really like to like touch my face kind of. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just settle down that way and then yeah. turn everything off. Like you see, I have a pink light in here. I like I like. Just calm. Just yeah. find calm and then kind of let everything go. Yeah. Doesn't mean it always works. And then if I really am stressed out, which happens, I use like guided meditations on my phone mm. and I listen to those before I go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you have kept journals since you were 10. Yes. I wrote this book about journaling, so I always like to ask people about writing and if they ever process their emotions and feelings through writing it's been such a good tool for me so can you talk about that a 
thousand percent I have. Yeah, I've had a journal since I was 10 years old, a little spiral bound notebook that I remember my first journal entry was because I was mad. So there'd been like this local model scout. I don't know if I've told anybody this. This little local model Uh scout came to like Jackson, Mississippi, and these two girls came back to school or some party and were like, we talked to the model scout. And they were like trying to tell everybody they were like, we're going to be models. And I was like, whatever. And I remember like little 10 year old me ran in her room and was like, so-and-so and so-and-so, I almost dropped their names, Jesus, say they're going to be models, blah, 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 but, you know, guess what? Like, I was just, like, processing my feelings about it, and yeah. I'm pretty sure that's when I said, like, I'm going to move to New York, and I'm going to model, and, like, that's the amazing. weirdest thing is, like, I'm the only one who's done it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Like, that's the craziest part. But, yeah, it's like, I was just being, like, a little jealous, petty 10-year-old and needed to talk about it, and, like, I'm not going to tell my mom that, because she's going to be like, that is so weird, like, who cares, you yeah. know? Like, she's not going to understand it. And I've kept a journal ever since wow so you still do it now yeah I still journal wow what is your like process with it is it something that you do to kind of figure out because I journal because I don't really know how I'm feeling unless mm-hmm. I'm writing and it helps me to process what's going on in my mind it makes my therapy better it makes my relationships better how do you use it now I, absolutely the same way like I use yeah. it to process my thoughts and my feelings I use it to do, like, a recap on life um, as a space to get, like, actual perspective in a way. Yeah. Because by writing, I can go, okay, how were things three months ago? And I can actually kind of list it out and process it out in my head. Or I can look back to how I was actually feeling and, like... You know, I don't often go back and read stuff, but sometimes I do, and I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. So that's how that actually felt, because, you know, we can change it in our heads. So definitely for processing and just kind of, like, working through this you know process of being a human yeah and like being a woman yeah. like there's yeah. stuff you gotta write about sometimes yeah for sure yeah you're doing so much obviously you have your own business and you're writing a book and you're in graduate school i am to be a therapist <laughs> so what are you most excited about what's next for you are you going to see clients as a therapist is that your plan like do you know what you're oh yeah i get asked that for the people closest to me often it will be kind of a hybrid of what i do now combined with seeing people i mean i also have to think about what i'm in my early 30s now there's gonna be like kids in the mix at some point and what is my life gonna look like I make a big point of keeping my private life off social media. Mm-hmm. Like, my partners, my relationship, my family, my... Eventually, my kids, my future children, right? For so much of my life being public, I really like having a private life and keeping it sacred. And yeah. I think it's something more people could really benefit from. But we've... And like you said, it's comparison. It's competition. It's like... They put their kids, I'm going to put mine too. And, like, that. there's so many reasons. I wrote another blog about this, about privacy and discretion. Yeah. That, like, it just, I'll keep it off there. So I have to look at what is my life going to look like in the next three to seven years, you know? Yeah. And can that be as quiet and private as I want it to be? And, like, it's just, what is that going to look like? And so I have to think about kind of my future in a way that crazy rebellious me never really thought about it but yeah now I'm excited to see where it all goes like I feel more on purpose now than I have in a really long Mm -hmm. time and being able to say these are the things I'm going to do this is how I want to help people this is what I want to put out this is how I can put it out in a way that feels good to me 
you know, and to be able to have the, I mean, cause it's a, it's like a privilege to be able to say, I can say no to jobs now. I can say no to this yeah. or no to that. Or, you know, I can shape this into something where it feels the best for what I want to do, you know? Yeah. It's interesting to you being a therapist, I mm-hmm. know, and I don't know like super well, but there's a, and I don't know if it's a rule or just mm. a, a trend that they're not supposed to share about themselves. Mm-hmm. And is that something that will complicate your work as a therapist because you're such a public person? Yeah, it'll be really interesting yeah. <laughs> how we're going to segue this. Because it, it, I really have to depend, like, not depend, I have to figure out or determine is the word exactly how I want to hold space within that space. You know, like, how this is going to look because so much of me is out into the world. And, yeah, how I'm just going to balance all of that, you know? And it made the most sense for me. I think some people are like, well, why are you doing this? Like, you already have, like, a bustling career. And it's like, you know what I see on social media? Like, we don't need, especially as women, but we don't need another workout program. We don't need six more ways to get abs. We don't need three more ways to, like, have glowing hair. Like, we need to know how to really work on our self-esteem. Like, how can we really work on our self-confidence? Like, how can we really you know, have more self-worth. And that's the kind of stuff where like going into therapy, you have the tools to really help people Mm -hmm. or going into counseling more specifically. You have more tools to really help people, you know, whether it's giving them journal prompts or giving them, you know, just a much more qualified space than saying, I'm a coach who like, will tell you how to be positive yeah. you know like I just think there's more to it and maybe it's because yeah and because like, I mean you've been in therapy too you know all the the benefits of it like there's a qualification and like there's a reason people go to school for this like there's a reason why you yeah. have to have knowledge you know and research behind it and I think that that's how to best serve the people who follow me yeah it's not by just saying you know what I got some things I think help it's like you know what I'm gonna try to get as many tools as I can to give to all of you yeah you know yeah yeah wow so that makes so much sense okay these are gonna be some quick fire questions so just kind of say the first thing that comes to your mind all right okay best thing you've eaten in the last week (gasps) the best thing Oh, I wanted Thai food so badly yesterday and didn't get it. That would have been the best mm-hmm. thing. Other than that, oh my god, I've been traveling so much. What was the best thing? Uh, Chick fil A. All right, I had Chick fil A a few days ago. <laughs> what is your favorite outfit or your go-to outfit? Like the outfit you feel your best in. Like what is your favorite thing that you have? Like that you put on right now. Um, oversized sweaters. You're, I love your sweater. I live in, like, I wear them, like, eight days in a row. Yeah, like it is, me it's too. A lot. I've yeah. been wearing this for, like, four days in a row. <laughs> I won't tell anybody. It's fine. <laughs> um, okay. What is your greatest lesson on creativity? Ooh. My greatest lesson on creativity. Uh, it, hmm. It's not on, like, anybody else's schedule. <laughs> like, it comes really randomly. Yeah. And just be open to it. I think it's kind of the biggest thing on creativity. Don't try to force it, because the minute you try to force it, you lose it. Yeah. So, yeah. So true. Greatest lesson on relationships? Mm. On relationships. I have so many thoughts on relationships. Um, I think you have to always be the person you want to be. Mm-hmm. So if that means being loving, being caring, being like, I ask a bunch of questions, but it's because I care. You know, it's like I was saying earlier about reef framing some of our not so positive qualities about ourselves how can we look at them in a more positive light 
but yeah be the person you want to be so do the things that you're like I'm proud of how I'm acting or how I'm treating this person or you know just you have to be the person you're going to want to be not yeah. who you think they want you to be yeah. not who you think society wants you to be or society tells you is good or bad you have to be who you want to be and then I think it also is a lot about, it's not so much to be kind. It's you also like someone has to be generous first. Mm. And that's not always easy. I think that's a big thing for relationships. You only asked for one, but I'll probably give you 20 more no, if we kept going. So I want so more. We'll have one. another time yeah. again. Uh, what is your greatest lesson on spirituality? What do you think about God? What happens when we die? The meaning of life? All of that. I think there's something bigger than us. So I know there's something bigger than us. Maybe we call it God. Maybe we call it the universe. Maybe we call it spirit. Maybe we call it all these other things. But I think the only way you ever hear that or experience that is to be quiet and to tune in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, this is really just a way to recommend things in these categories, but I frame it this way. You're trapped on a deserted island, and you can only bring with you one TV show, one movie, one book, one food, on podcast or, or music. So what do you want to recommend in each of those Oh, categories? my God. I'll, I'll I can only it. have one. Why can't I just bring a computer and then I will have <laughs> access true. to all of it? You can recommend a couple in each category. Okay. So what First TV one. shows. What are what are you liking? What have you... All, they can be like all-time favorites or something you're like into right now and you want people to know about. I don't watch terribly much TV. So do I don't you have, have like a TV show from all-time that you loved or... I, I mean, I'm the typical American right now, and I'm watching This Is Us. So oh. That has a lot of lessons, okay, about humans Amazing. and emotions, so keep that one in there. What about movies? What are your like favorite movies of all time, or movies you saw recently? Okay, my favorite movie of all time when I was a kid was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, mm. but that really doesn't have many pressing life lessons, nor will I watch it again, so it's, like, as an adult, <laughs> I don't really watch it. So yeah, I'm just, I'm, I don't have really anything. I would That's okay. Either, no. What about um, book? book that you want people to read oh, or know my about God, there's so many books so many. i have two book lists on the blog as well okay maybe we should link to that yeah we All can right. do that there's two different book lists but some of the most impactful ones for me were um seven levels of intimacy it was a really I good book it. yeah it's kind of god-ish but just if you're not religious look past it and if you are get more into it <laughs> same guy uh, matthew kelly wrote the rhythm of life which i really that was really important for me when I was a kid. Um, the Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer oh, yeah. was recommended to me in high school by my therapist, and I've read it probably a hundred times wow. since. So was The Seven Levels of Intimacy as well. Um, other books that were impactful, Think and Grow Rich was a really big one for me. And then as I got older, of course, Brene Brown's work was really interesting. Um, and then, yeah, you can just go to the list for the rest of yeah, them. Always cool. reading a book. What about um, your favorite food? My favorite food. I like all sorts of foods. Breakfast foods. Favorite New say. York. Let's say favorite New York. Breakfast foods. Yeah. I It'd be breakfast foods. foods. I would eat breakfast 24 hours a, a day. Are you a sweet breakfast person or a savory? No, I like savory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, podcasts. Do you listen to podcasts? Do you yes. Like- I actually <laughs> listened to your podcast before we got linked together, and that is not so just a, funny. like... It's not it's like just such a huge to honor. say, but it's true. I really did listen oh to it God. before that. 
So, of course, you're on the list. I only listen to, like, five podcasts. That's that's <laughs> the biggest honor yeah. I've ever gotten. And I listen life. to, I like NPR a lot. Me too. Yeah. Terry Gross is my hero. Yeah. yeah. And the Washington Post at one time had, a had like, a small series they were doing that I thought oh. was really good. But cool. they stopped doing it. But, yeah, those are the ones I listen to. Cool. What about music? What do you like? What are you listening to right now? What are, like, all-time favorites? Oh, man, I listen to a ton of different music. That was a big part of, like, my whole yoga being so unconventional is that I don't practice to traditional yoga music. But, oh, man, like, I, there's just so much of it. I don't think I have one fave. It just goes, like, any given day, I listen to one song on repeat over and over. What and over was it today? Or what is something today, that you've been, like, listening I've to been and liking? listening to... Oh, I've listened to a ton of James Blake. Mm. Which is different than all the other, like, yeah. trap music I listen to. So, yeah. But James Blake is amazing. I think he yeah. has a new album coming out this year. Oh, cool. Yeah, good for him. He, all, he leaves his planet on every record he does. So. <laughs> um, all right. Well, the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So when I offer that to you, to let it out. Is there anything that you wanted to share that you didn't get to or that you wish that I would have asked or you want to ask or that you anything that did I bring you dry for all your wisdom anything else you want to say oh there's you asked so many wonderful things and I think we got to talk about a lot of like deeper things than just most of the time people think I'm just yoga which is okay it's fine you know it's okay yeah we like didn't even talk about yoga (laughs) which is actually no it's fine it's actually better because it wasn't ever it was never just about yoga yeah like even when I got into yoga it was for depression and anxiety like I'm a nerd who likes to read books and who cares about mental health like that's what it really was but on its face it looks like yoga so yoga was just like the avenue that took me here or took me to the places that I can now go yeah so I think that that was one that was my conversation with Claire Fountain. She's a delight. You know that by now. Follow her. Get obsessed with her. I am. I want to hang out with her way more. And I think that I will, in fact. Maybe we will collaborate on something in the future. I think she's a delight. Thank you so much for listening. As always, share it with someone you think it would be helpful to who might enjoy it or laugh or feel less alone. I would love for them to hear it as well. Join the listener Facebook group. Maybe check on the, out Patreon if that's something that you're curious about. Check it out. I really love that platform and I'm really grateful it exists. So check out Patreon. Support the sponsors. I'm going to tell you what the emoji is and I'm also going to tell you who's coming up on the show next week. But first, that's it actually. I don't have anything else to tell you. So I'll just tell you. Next week It's my birthday on Monday. If you're listening to this Wednesday, my birthday is on Monday. So next week, I am the guest. (laughs) Every year annually, I have my dear friend who has been a podcast guest in the past, maybe my first season, first few episodes, Sasha Jones from Stigley Holistics NYC, my dear friend. She's like my second mom. She interviews me every year. She's my neighbor here in the East Village, and we had a great conversation, and hopefully you like that. So that will be next week. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the Facebook group. Comment the emoji on this podcast, for this podcast, on my Instagram. I'm at Katie Dalebout. Tag Claire. Maybe tweet it at me. This week, the emoji is the rain showers the you know the cloud with the rain and the lightning i like that one best 
It's been raining a lot in New York. April flowers bring, April showers bring May flowers. At least they hopefully do. So I'll talk to you guys next week on my birthday episode. And until then, I'll talk to you on the internet. Bye. episode is brought to you in part by freshbooks.com you know freshbooks you love freshbooks if you've been listening for a while you know that i use freshbooks i love it it's the easy to use online cloud accounting software you can personalize the colors and you can even add your logo it's great for sending invoices it really makes you look buttoned up and it's great for tax season you can even set up freshbooks to import expenses directly from your bank account so whenever you purchase something for your business it instantly uploads it to freshbooks FreshBooks. I love it. And FreshBooks is ridiculously easy to set up. It's made for people who don't like dealing with numbers and their taxes. Right now, FreshBooks is offering a free 30-day unrestricted trial to our listeners. So to claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash let it out and enter let it out in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash let it out and enter let it out in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you, FreshBooks. you're hearing behind me now and all other original music in this episode is composed by carolyn pennypacker riggs the album art is by artist zoe Harmon, and this podcast is produced and edited by amanda sharp and hosted by me katie delbout check out our website for show notes to everything mentioned